watch horror business driving late at night. Psycho 78, 12 o'clock, don't be late. I said, Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Law. Why are you doing that accent? It's a Scottish accent, like, like. No, it's first of all, it's not a. You just sounded like. All right, you say were, your name. It sounded like you were trying to do an impression of uh, Crocodile Dundee. All right, say your name. What's your name? That's not a knife. This That's is a knife. knife. Uh, I'm, I'm Liam O'Donnell, and I do not disrespect other cultures by mocking their accents. All right, you're listening to episode 75 of Hall Business. It's so Australian. You don't even think it's Scottish. There's no part of you thinks that's no, Scottish. No, it's not Scottish. The reason I tried to do a Scottish, a Scottish accent right now, and this makes even less sense if possible, is because today um, we are diving into the post-apocalyptic whatever films 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later. Why not do a British accent? The first movie's in London. Yes, but like Cillian Murphy or Killian Murphy, he's Irish. Dominic Gleeson is Irish. What's his face in the second movie is Scottish. Is Scottish. Oh, that's true. Scottish is like, Hey, beat me him! When, I don't don't know what. Haggis. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't actually, I think Scottish, for me at least, Scottish accents are very hard. Even Irish is hard. That's like my my. Folks. I'm not. I'm not a good accent person. Mm. Scottish accents are all yelling about the Loch Ness monster. Nope, that's not. Nope. that's Scottish. No. Where's Loch Ness? Just stop. Where's it at? Tell me. It's in Scotland. We're talking about these inf- infection movies. Yeah, movies about the infected. About the infected, not zombies. You assholes. They're not zombies. We'll get there. Um, the reason we decided to do these, the reason I decided to do these, was because, I don't know if you guys knew this, but we are currently, not even in the grips, because I don't think we've seen the worst of it yet, of a fucking worldwide pandemic that is as bad as it is because people tended to ignore it and pretended it was going to go away until it didn't, and now people are dying left and right. So we decided to do two movies that were like, hey, yeah, it sucks that... We have a government that is wholly irresponsible, immoral, and, you know, we have this disease that not enough people are taking seriously, but you know what? It could be worse. It could be a lot worse. I, I mean, I want to be clear. We're not making light of the pandemic. No, no, no. I hope, no, that, I hope it doesn't seem that way, but but I do think it was very thematic. And watching these films, it was like, oh, God. <laughs> yes. Ugh. No, I, I, I've, I've been rereading The Stand, the uncut version of The Stand, and I'm at the scene right now where um, Nick Andros is like, sure. yeah. spoiler alert for a fucking 40-year-old book. It's right after like Sheriff Baker dies, and like the doctor comes and is like, uh, everyone in town is dead except for you and me. And Nick's like, well, what's going on? He's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> He's like, "There's, there are soldiers everywhere. None of the radio stations work. And then you turn the page and like, it's literally a presidential briefing where they're like, this is just the Hong Kong flu. This isn't that bad. We got a vaccine coming in a few weeks. Just stay inside. You'll be fine. This will blow over. And meanwhile, people are literally dropping dead in the streets and it's insanity. So... Yeah, watch, watch, watching this movie was a little, uh, there were, especially the second one where they, they give like a retrospective of how the disease spread. It was a little like, okay, that's a, it's a little much. But before we dive into 
these two non-zombie films, we would like to thank our Patreon subscribers. Without you, none of this would be possible. Well, it would be possible, but we would be much lighter of pocket without you guys. <laughs> um, we do have something special coming for you soon. Um, it was the the wheels are in motion, so you guys are you got some cool exclusive coming to you, coming your way soon. We greatly appreciate what you've done. Um, if you are interested in being a patron of ours and helping us along with this, you can head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks. Any little bit helps. Um, whether it's a dollar, whether it's $5, I'm not going to say anything more because I don't want to be greedy, but whatever you can give is great. So if you have given, thank you so much. And if you want to give, please do. It's greatly appreciated. That's patreon.com backslash cinepunks. Episode is also brought to you by the Lehigh Valley's premier screen printing company, Lehigh Valley. Lehigh Valley. Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Welcome to the Lehigh Valley. Okay, that was Liam doing that? Oh, that, that was, was kind of racist. That was huh? not me. Sorry, I was trying yeah. to go for, uh, when you did it, it made me think of um, the Jim Carrey character who was the fireman. Fire Marshal Bill? Was that what it was? Yeah. I just know he, he typed his lips behind his gum. So I was trying to do Fire Marshal Bill, and instead, I sounded what like happened? A, a horrible <laughs> racist stereotype. It did. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just glad that my horrible Scottish thing... Uh, impression at the beginning of this episode is now is now no longer the worst thing on this episode moving I mean, on i still think australians would murder you it's fine they would because they're easily agitated stop. digging my own oh, digging my own no stop no i know one australian person sort of and he's a he's an absolute doll so i can't complain leah valley apparel creations now liam if i said to you i want to get a t-shirt made that is nothing but a black t-shirt and in bright red font 28 days later is not a zombie movie you fucking poser stop where would i go to get that t-shirt made uh, i mean you shouldn't but you would go to lehigh valley and okay. Peril creations why well uh chris and his fine staff uh are exceedingly professional and yet entirely personable uh, they will help you figure out what kind of shirt you need, what kind of printing, ink, what your design should even look like. If you send them art that stinks, which you shouldn't do, but if, if that's all you got... You're probably going to do it anyway. They can help you with it. They're just very on top of their game and are very reliable and are um, unbelievably affordable. And not only that, during this time, have been doing things. Even though it's a small business, it's just a few people, he's struggling to make sure his people get paid, they've been doing... Uh, charity stuff. They've been doing stuff to it's help amazing. out the community. It's amazing. It's huge. Um, yeah, they're 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 working on some shirts for us right now. Um, so we're gonna have something new for you guys soon. So if you have an idea for a shirt, if you have a podcast, if you have a band, if you have something, don't go to one of those things where they like print the shirts on demand. Don't go there. Go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Go to www.xlvacx.com because they are a small business. Okay, and we need to support small businesses right now. And I know, I know, it feels like there's like a a joke coming up where I'm gonna like razz Chris reject, and I might. But I'm being serious right now. There's a goodish amount of money being dumped into our pockets right now. We're all getting this twelve hundred dollar Trump bucks. I mean, it's nothing to me, but sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about you do what I did and you decide I'm gonna prime the pump of small businesses and you dump that money back into a small business like Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. If you can afford to. If you can afford to. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're, I mean, I'm lucky enough, I'm still working. Um, I, I'm still 
getting paid. So I'm lucky enough to this, this money is just, I mean, I did pay off my credit card, so that's fine. But after that, um, if you can afford to, if you have an idea, if you're in a band, if you do a podcast, I'm not going to name any names for podcasts that should get shirts made there www.xlvacx.com. Just go there. Um, also, you can follow them at Twitter at the LVAC. Um, they're doing a lot of really, really, really cool things to help out with COVID-19. They're doing a lot of designs that all the proceeds are going to local hospitals to kind of fund the people who are at the front line who desperately need to be funded because um, calling them heroes and 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 supporting them on Twitter and all that shit, it doesn't actually help them. They should be getting the supplies they need, and they're not, and we're trying to help them get those supplies. And I'm rambling, but it just go fucking do it. Go support a good cause and take care of each other. That's www.xlvacx.com. One more time, because I think I botched it the last time. www.xlvacx.com. Now, now comes the time the podcast when i wake up in a hospital confused <laughs> are you referencing the walking dead malnourished naked i don't know what's going on all i know is the last thing i remember is i was delivering a package because you're a shitty bike messenger a shitty bike messenger <laughs> i was thinking i was in piccadilly circle and i got hit by a bus I don't remember anything, and I've been out for somewhere between 27 to 29 days. I just don't really remember. But I do, there's this question that's just... Such a lead-up. There's too much lead-up to this I can't even remember my own name. All I can remember is, I wonder what Liam's done involving horror movies recently. So I open the window, and I shout to an abandoned London. I'm in London, for some reason. What has Liam done involving horror movies recently? <laughs> How would I hear you in London? I don't know. Uh... So, um, you know, I don't need to keep reminding you all that it's a difficult time right now with a kid to try to watch anything, but I did make some time to watch a little movie called, I think it's called this, Underwater? Yes. What did you think? So, I think I liked it. I okay. think, okay, uh, it comes within a hair's breadth, within just a wisp, just the closest, just the, almost just there. The, just of T.J. Miller ruining the whole fucking movie. Yeah, as that he is wont to do. That dude sucks. He's not fucking funny. No. Okay, to be fair, he's been casting things and used in such a way where he's a little bit funny. In this movie, he is not funny. Nothing he says, the whole movie is funny. And it's like every time they're like, whoa, this is a really tense moment. You know what? Let's have T.J. Miller say something mean and sarcastic. Yeah, let's just do that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, one of those people would just punch him. At a certain point, they just... No, 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 no. Let's be honest. Vincent Cassell would murder him yeah within like seconds there's no no one would put up with that shit that long it's just too long of him being an asshole basically yeah long past the point where most assholes of his ilk would be too afraid to keep joking or keep making that's that that's that's honestly what drags cloverfield down for me yeah it's his constant bullshit commentary right, right right again you know i say he's not funny you know there's a couple of roles where i don't think he ruins things you know i really like that uh Silicon Nation, uh, or no, Silicon Valley Silicon show. Valley. Uh, but, you know, he left that show, and I actually think by the time he left the show, it was good, because it had been too, it was like, he's got one fucking note, which is that he sucks. Yeah. That's it. And sometimes you can use that effectively, but that show proved, well, we, we basically used this as, but he's got to go away, because yeah, yeah. there's nothing else we can do with this character. Um, so, that being said, I thought the rest of the movie was really strong, special effects were great, 
tension was way high. Um, you know, spoilers, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think the ending's a little, a little, a what, just, a little what, a little just okay. Oh, I'm sorry. What made it so just okay? What would have made it better? I just don't care. I don't know. Don't care about what? I wish they had leaned on the Cthulhu of it all. Thank you. A little bit prior. I get it. They couldn't. They made that shit up in the in editing. They were literally like, ah, we got this last shot. We don't know what the fuck to do. And we don't even really have a design. We haven't designed this thing yet. We don't know what it's going to look like. And it was in that moment. So it was like, could just be Cthulhu. could just be Cthulhu. I wish I could have been when they just like looked at each other and they're just like, let's fucking do this. Let's just do Cthulhu. Yeah. I mean, okay. So yes, the creatures prior to that are clearly in some sense Lovecraftian. Oh yeah. But, they're the... but, but the issue is that we are so far removed. Lovecraft has been so filtered over time. Thankfully. Sure. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. It, if they had done more prior to the big reveal at the very, very end to make sure you get the connect, because if something's just gooey and tentacly, it's like, yeah, that could be Lovecraftian or it could be someone who's just watched the 400 other projects that have ripped off Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. And they're just being influenced by that. So to make such a direct reference is not bad. It wasn't bad. I wasn't mad. Yeah. And I kind of knew it was coming up anyway, so whatever. Uh, but Had it, the ending been spoiled for you? Just that it was Cthulhu. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and it was a. It wasn't even like I read something. It was in the title of an article. It was Cthulhu's an underwater director of underwater, deeply uh, influenced by Cthulhu mythology. And I was like, Oh, Cthulhu's at the end. That's what. <laughs> that's what that is. That's gonna be Cthulhu at the end. Because you just can't say that. You know what I mean? Again, I don't think it's a spoiler. Spoiler. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think really that anyone would be like, well, now that I know Cthulhu's at the end, fuck it. You know, I don't even need to see the movie. It's like, nah, there's a lot it's of It's a stuff. great movie leading yeah, yeah. up to Cthulhu. I guess for me, I just, I, you know, <clears throat> it was very effective. Let me put it, it's, it's the sort of thing where I enjoyed it, but I don't think I'll think about it later. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. just nothing to stick with me, but I don't think that's bad. I think that's... a. a a lot of movies that are supposed to be that, like we just made a fun, scary film, and you know it's not deep or anything, but we're, they just aren't. Whereas this movie, like it is, like if someone was like, "What is a newer horror movie that is fun? It's whatever, it's scary, but it's not like a thinker." I think Underwater qualifies in a way that a lot of other movies that are trying to be that aren't cutting. The it, it's cheese. definitely the error to a genre of films, and you know what I'm going to say. It's a genre of films that was around in the mid to late 80s where it was like every five minutes, and I say this as someone who was all of like maybe five years old at the time, um, there was that time in horror movies where The Abyss came out and then suddenly everyone wanted to make, you know, like remember when Gremlins came out and then it was like Munchies and yeah. Critters and yeah. Ghoulies? Yeah. There was that time in horror film when it was like The Abyss came out and just fucking destroyed everything and people were like, well, what if we made horror movies where like they weren't friendly at the end? And then you got like Leviathan, Deep Star Six. Mostly those two, mostly those two. Deep Star or Deep Deep Rising, like a few years later, ten years later. What the fuck am I talking about? This movie felt like those, but uh the thing I really liked about it was this film was terrifying enough without the monsters. Sure. And that's that's like that that's what like watching that in the theater, I was so upset by the premise. That uh, <laughs> that uh, 
there was a moment where I was like, oh, that's right. They're not only are they trapped seven miles under the bottom of the ocean, and they're probably going to die, but there are monsters actively trying to kill them. Right. And um, yeah. I mean, I guess you could make an argument that they don't need the monsters, that the monsters are like a step too far. Mm. But I wouldn't make that argument. No, not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I'll never say no to a monster. That's why you keep having so many relationship issues. You gotta be in a, you gotta be in a relationship to have relationship issues, and uh, I haven't had one of those in years. I just wanted to make the joke. Jesus, I know, I know. Um, yeah, so I watched Underwater, and then other than that, the only other thing I watched, um, I didn't finish the number two, but I watched the third episode of Cursed Films. Okay, and I thought that the the poltergeist of it all. I even made Suze watch it with me because, um. It's something where she can experience my interest in horror without having to actually be scared. Yeah. You know? Uh, and so we watch it together, and I think we both found it pretty interesting. Um, and really cut through, though, some of the bullshit. Like, even as, you know, the show doesn't exist if there isn't a mythology around the movie. Absolutely. So they have to talk about it. But they still include people who are like, who fucking care? You know, like, you yeah. brought it up. When I talked to Justin about it, he brought up this special effects guy. The whole movie they're hinting at, the skeletons. Were the skeletons real? Oh, my God, were the skeletons real? They hey, used real skeletons. they used real skeletons? And then we finally get the special skeletons guy. He's like, yeah, we fucking use real. Everyone uses real skeletons. You ever been in a science classroom? That's a and real skeleton. A skeleton? That's a real ass skeleton. Like, this, it's so crazy because I was just listening to a podcast, I think, today. I think that was today. I was listening to a podcast, and it wasn't a movie podcast, but the subject of using real skeletons came up, and they were like, oh, so that's crazy. It's oh, yeah, because it was on My Brother, My Brother, and Me. They were talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. And people were like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean is cursed because they used real skeletons. You know, they don't anymore, of course, but there is one human skull. And I'm like, of course everyone used real skeletons. Like, like the idea that like, well, Pirates of the Caribbean, it shows that they were monsters at the time because they used real skeletons. Yeah, they used real skeletons. Life Everyone is cheap. <laughs> like, what? What? I don't understand. You you went to the store, you bought a skeleton, yeah. you put it in your ride. That's how that works. Like, the, the this concept that people have that, like, now, like, we're so removed from it. They're like, yeah, oh my God, this guy went to his house. He had a, a skeleton. Yeah, okay. What? His I name's Justin. He goes this podcast. Yeah, like I don't. It's just crazy this this whole idea. And so like when he said that, it was such a fucking clarifying moment that like this is just because to me. Uh, okay, so uh, for those of you who don't have context, there's three episodes so far. They do The Exorcist, The Omen, Poltergeist, mm -hmm. right? And me and Justin have had our disagreements about Poltergeist. Have we? We have. But, okay. But one of the things I think it's important to keep in mind about Poltergeist is that um, when people talk about its cursedness. Sometimes they're really making light of two very tragic events. Absolutely. And I knew I did. I actually didn't only re learned about the first tragic death more recently because I knew that she wasn't in the next movie. But when yeah. I was young, you know, I, I've been watching Poltergeist and Poltergeist Two since I was like a you know kid, and so uh, I didn't know the full story. I just knew she wasn't in the next movie. Also, side note: I had no idea that was Griffin Dunn's younger sister. Oh, see, I did know. That. I had no idea. I think I knew that because the whole reason I found out what actually happened to her is I was watching Poltergeist 2 and I was like, it's so weird she's not in this movie. And then I looked it up like, oh, fuck. And they referenced, you know, who she was. Yeah. But the other tragedy, the the this little girl dying because of a misdiagnosis, I knew all about that. And I knew about that partly because 
um, they showed Poltergeist 3 on TV so much. Oh, yeah. And she doesn't look well that whole movie. No, she looks... And it's... it's um. They bring it up on 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 the episode. It it's it's not, it's not what she was the disease she was suffering from that, right. that made her. It was the the medication she was on, and even even when I was younger, I remember like seeing that and being like, she looks not right. not right right. Um, and so at a very young age, I knew that she passed. I didn't know all the details, but I knew she passed. And I knew that it was a doctor's fault, and I knew that the ending of the movie was bullshit, that they just had to tack on an ending to release the movie. And in fact, one of the first sort of film-related controversies I even knew about was thinking, you know, this is a fucked up film. This is like a push to release, we gotta make our money, Yeah, who cares that this little girl died move, in my mind. And they played that shit on TV all the, I've, I've seen parts of Poltergeist 3 a million times not because i sat and watched the whole thing necessarily every time but they would be on tv yeah. anytime anytime they were like we're gonna put a horror movie on that was one of the things that would get put on tv and knowing now the full context and exactly how much it was not the decision of the filmmakers to release this film you know it's horrifying and it's oh it's, my god yeah it's so upsetting so i don't know maybe that's not something people want to check out it's this this thing but for me it was helpful because it brought clarity to things that had kind of haunted my experience of those movies you know it's definitely eye-opening not only to um it it brings a deeper understanding to it to a, a tragedy that a lot of people know the gist about but they don't know the, the details of and it also yeah like liam said i think the most horrifying thing for me is that like the filmmakers themselves pretty much had a unified front like, oh, we yeah. don't want to make this movie. And was it Warner Brothers or Universal who was like, no, 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 no. You're making our movie. We're making our money. And then they forced them. Might have been MGM, actually. MGM, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who they leaned on these people who were like in, like, I think the direct, was it the director of the movie they interviewed? Like, he was the pallbearer at um, this little girl's funeral. Like, this affected everyone on set very deeply. And MGM was just like, yeah, okay, that's, oh, boo, that's sad. Now finish the movie. Well, and it's important to keep in mind, too, it's not just sentimentality. It's not that they had a finished movie, and he was like, out of respect for the, for her and her life, we're not going to release the movie. No, 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 no. He was really clear, we don't have a movie. We don't have an end. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to do some bullshit ending and disrespect the performance that this girl gave. And that's, to me, that's both sentimental and practical. The movie's not fucking done. No. And so, like, we can't finish it. And- MGM was just straight up like, we will take you to court. We will recoup our losses on this thing. So you're going to finish the movie. And that's why, I mean, you can make an argument that all Poltergeist 3 is not so great. But really, the 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 capper that makes it not the best movie and moves it into actual travesty is the ending of the movie. Absolutely. A total waste. And I would argue that other parts of the movie are kind of scary, kind of effective. Yeah, but even know? with this business with Julian Beck. Right. Even that is like that pushes it into like what right. The fuck so are you so doing? we didn't quite mention that. I I think Julian Beck's, as opposed to the other two deaths, Julian Beck's death on Poltergeist Two, I've always been a little bit, um, I felt a little bit different about because he wanted to do this performance. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. Gives this performance and then he passes away after he's done. Basically, I really think it's like a a credit to him. You know, oh, yeah. it's a tragedy that he died of stomach cancer. Like that's 
that's tragic, but it's not the same as this this both of these young women being taken from us. And even in the second one, uh, that she's taken because of malpractice of these doctors. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. even though it was a disease, you know, you could say it's natural. It's not really natural that no. she died at that age. They could have done if they had diagnosed it correctly, they could have done something to help her. It was it was a very simple quote unquote simple thing that if these doctors had been fucking ricky ticky about it would have been oh no she has this abscess and like a bowel abscess we need to take care of this right now but instead it was just diagnosed as crohn's disease crohn's disease and what they were doing to help her was actually exacerbating the issue it was making it much worse yeah so um I, and, and and again like it's it's like not to you know anyone's death is tragic by and large julian beck however was in his mid-60s Something like that. I think he was a little older. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was older exactly. person. We're, he knew what was happening. Exactly. To him. Yeah. He, he was, made a choice. He was he was ready to face the fucking eternal void with with grace and dignity. Dominic Dunn was choked to death in, in, yeah, at the age of like twenty three. So like I I that's what what I'm saying like those haunted me more than the than than uh, the other thing because he like he made a choice to participate. I have kind of respect for that performance though. Like again. The first Poltergeist is the best Poltergeist. Absolutely. But he elevates Poltergeist 2 to a point where it's like, it's almost great. It's held back for me by the not great Native American stuff, which is just like really not great. Like next level, not great. But he is very good. And he all the menace of that film comes from him. It's funny. I think a lot of times when people think about Poltergeist, when you say like, what's the scariest thing about Poltergeist? People automatically jump to him. Yeah, not and realizing it's not even the same movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so those are the two things I did, Justin. I watched two films. Um, one, I don't know if I can we can call it horror, but I still enjoyed it very much. A little film called Vivarium. Oh, I want to see it. I really want to see it. It's good. It's interesting. It's harrowing. Um, it's like sort of like black comedy at times. It's very weird. Um, my dad liked it. Cool. And then we watched, or I watched a little film called Mom, Mothers of Monsters. Oh, so we a review went up on the site. It was on Cinebunks. It was a generally positive review. Yes. I really wanted to see it after reading the review. It's found footage in 2020, so take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, sure. But it's done, it's found footage done the right way. It's found footage where straight up the woman says and this is not a spoiler because it is literally like in the first two minutes of the movie if you are watching this footage i am dead wow um and it's just about this woman who suspects that her son is a budding psychopath and she's doing a video diary like this is like here's why i think it when he was a little boy he did this blah 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 blah, this that the other thing and the performances in this movie are fucking chilling oh now i really want to see you feel so horrible for this woman because she's looking at her child who she loves and she is there's not even she's becoming more and more convinced like she's like starting to suspect something like she knows in the core of her being that there is something essentially wrong with her son um and she has there's this one line where she looks she she says like um i would have thought there would have been resources for for people like us and then when i was watching this movie the thing that was going through my head was like oh cool like another post columbine like oh this kid's gonna be a school shooter and then it clicked in my head like we're 20 years removed from columbine and there aren't resources for parents like that there's no rule book for like 
No, no. Ten at all. things you should watch out for to know that your kids don't shoot up the fucking school. Um, but the actor who plays the main character, his performance is so. Um, the th- the thing that like really got me was there's a scene where he's like literally screaming at his mother like you're a fucking idiot you can't do anything right no wonder dad left going on and just saying like the meanest shit he can and then um, he gets like a Skype call from his grandmother and immediately it's like the mask comes on he's like grandma and because every this kid has everyone else wrapped around his finger and it's sure. it, it's it, it, it's honestly what a narcissistic psychopath how they actually are they're not this like scheming Cletus Cassidy type who's just like oh I'm so twisted and evil and all this they're just fucking assholes to people they know they don't need and they're super nice and friendly to people they want to manipulate and that's what they get off on and it's just a fucked up movie because it just show it just shows like the lengths of what this kid does to his mom without her even knowing it to control her. Mm. And it's just, it's just fucked up because it's, 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 that's happening. You know, that, that's, ha- that's yeah. probably what like Eric Harris did to his parents. Sure. Um, so yeah, Mothers of Monsters, I, I cannot recommend it enough. I got to do a big uh, shout out to Anna Marie of the new podcast on the network, uh, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. She, you know, just express when the, when the podcast was the network, she's like, you know, I also like horror movies. If you want me to write about stuff, I was like, sure, sure, sure. And we were like, no. And then she was like, but I'm really good. We're like, no, okay. <laughs> I was like, sure, sure, sure. What do you want to write about? And she's like, you know, I don't really have any ideas up front. Like, what are you interested in? And I just like was thinking about that, and I, I hadn't, I didn't have any good ideas to pitch her. And then Nick Spachek hit us up, like, yo, I got a link for this uh, Mothers of Monsters movie. Does anyone want to review it? And I know people were busy, so I just hit her up like, hey, this is something I need. Would you be willing to do it? And 90% of the time when I hit something up with something I need that's Mm -hmm. not their idea, they're like, no, I'm good. Like, they just start doing other things. And the fact that her response was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And she got me this thing, and it was good. I was like, oh, this is great. Not only do I get a great new podcast for the network, but she's a good writer, and she was willing to write about this movie. So I really appreciate her. I also want to mention writing on the site. Uh, we just had a review, speaking of Nick Spotcheck go up of that new movie, Butt Boy. Mm. Um, the trailer looks awesome, and I need to see mm. that movie. And then the fact that his review was like, you know. <sighs> I think the review, the, the, the trailer looks great. Here's the thing. What? The trailer reminds me, and people out there who are like approximately Liam and I's age, they'll get this. If you haven't seen this trailer, uh, the best way I can describe it is like, if you remember anywhere between seasons one and season five of the X-Files, when they have like a Monster of the Week episode, it looks like a really good Monster of the Week episode of the X-Files. Like complete with like, there's the local cop who's just like seen it all and he's just like, fucking FBI, he's fucking, I don't know, flicks a cigarette away and he's like, this got these murders, these missing people. So it's yeah, the yeah, hard-bitten yeah. cop who's just like over it. Um, the thing that I, I, and I'm, again, I haven't seen this movie, so I am, being a little prejudiced, look at me. I'm going to be judged too. Excuse the today reference. This movie just looks a little too like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if this guy stuck things up his ass? And then they worked backward from that premise and somehow came out with care. like a, I don't care. I don't care. I'm into ah, it. I don't know. I Here's the thing. I think that's why it appeals to me because I think that if you have a ridiculous premise, but then instead of winking at the camera the whole time, you play that ridiculous premise across like a hard-hitting genre film, 
that's cool. I think that's a cool move. Now, does that mean that they nail it? Not necessarily, but Nick's review was, you know, seemed pretty positive. I love Nick's review of like, the film doesn't wink once at the viewer because if it did, it would collapse under its own weight. Yeah. yeah. But I'm into that. I'm curious. I'm curious to, I'm curious to see it. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, anyways, anything else you do? No, I, I think I think we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Danny Boyle's 2002. Let's see what Wikipedia calls it. Danny Boyle's 2002 post-apocalyptic horror film. That's what you already said. God damn it! Twenty-eight days later, we'll be right back. Today in hospital, I wake up and I'm, I'm hallucinating. I've got some bad news. They're infected. Infected. What? Infected with what? Oh, I shouldn't have done that. It's the blood. There's something in the blood. Someone. You never go anywhere alone unless you've got no choice. Hello. Only travel during daylight, unless you've got no choice. See, this is a really shit idea. You know why? This is obviously a shit idea. We have to leave now. More will be coming. They always do. And you're going to be next. And we are back to talk about 2002's 28 Days Later, written by Alex Garland, directed by Danny Boyle, starring Cillian. I don't know if it's Cillian or Killian. I actually have no idea. We'll say Killian. I like a hard C. Killian Murphy, Naomi Harris, Christopher Eccleston. Megan Burns and motherfucking Brendan Gleeson in the role of a lifetime. Brendan Gleeson. He is so fucking good in this movie. Um, I don't really think we need to tell you what this movie's about, but we will anyway. It's about infected if, people. Infected people. It's about like England. Um, okay, imagine the song "Panic" by the Smiths. Stop. If it wasn't racist, that's oh, what this song is. That's what this movie is. <laughs> Panic on the streets of Carlisle. Dublin Dundee. Could life ever be sane again? Don't act like you're deep. Don't get deep. I just got deep because I rubbed my temple with one finger. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, so this movie came out in 2002. We're 18 years out from this movie. Um, do you remember when this movie came out? Oh, yes. I saw it in the theater. So this was like an event. 
It's a big fucking deal. This was the, the, this this was a this was the first movie that I can remember honestly where the tag the scariest movie since The Exorcist was like thrown around. No, there was other stuff. I mean, I I, I remember the hype around quite a few movies mm-hmm. harkening back to things like The Exorcist. But I will say, for me, I would place the impact of this movie not on when it came out, though it was a phenomena, but on what it's done since. I mean, if you think about like a. It would be really hard to make the argument that this movie wasn't the beginning of the second wave or third wave of zombie interest. No, this this definitely like this was the beginning of. So let's let's okay before we get into what we think about this movie, let's talk a little bit about the significance of what we have here. A, Danny Boyle became a thing. Yeah, this was the beginning of Danny Boyle being. Well, a thing. you don't think Transponic started it? Yeah, but but it, it, I think here's the thing. This movie was made for. Not a lot of money. Yeah. And it made a fuck ton of money. So like while I do think, yeah, train spotting was a was was more of a thing in some ways. In other ways, I think this was easier for him to like cash checks on. Oh my god, yeah. He could easily just say, Okay, look, I made a I made a rip off zombie movie that isn't a zombie movie with a small cast for no money on and that was the other thing I was gonna say. The other big thing so there's three big things I wanna say. One that or four, rather. Danny Boyle. This is sort of very important for his career, I think. Yeah. Two, zombies. Suddenly zombies are back. Even yeah. though, again, this is not a zombie movie. Thank you. However, zombies are back with this. Suddenly people are like, oh man, I want to see people Because eat right after people. this, literally, uh, I think Snyder's Dawn of the Dead went into oh, production yeah. like, right after this. Oh yeah, because they were like, look how fucking good. I mean, again, the whole, the, the insight here is that he's not making a zombie movie. And in fact, his beings feel scarier because they're not zombies in some ways they're sick people you know yeah 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 and there's something about that um but you could really okay let me keep going digital video you know that this was like this was a very early time for someone to be like i shot this all on digital video mm-hmm. now i will argue in retrospect there are parts of this movie that are not good visually speaking because of the medium they're shot on yeah however the parts that are good because of the medium the shot on are I- fucking iconic. Yeah. Like, if someone watches this movie, they're like, well, it all looks a little crappy and grainy. It's like, yeah, that's part of the brilliance yeah. of it. It's just, he, I just think th- there's a pr- certain, there's a couple of moments where I think for ambiance, he didn't light as well as he could have. No. And it, in retro, at the time, I was like, this is the fucking craziest shit I've ever seen. Now watching it, I'm like, eh, this part's a little dark. It's a little dark here. I don't know if this works for anybody. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, and this is maybe not, uh, maybe this isn't like a into the future thing, but it was an important thing, which is this is the first film to convince Godspeed You Black Emperor <laughs> music that was made for movies. I don't care yeah. what you fucking say. That is soundtrack music. Yes, absolutely. And for years, people have been fucking begging them. You know, for years, people were like, Godspeed, I gotta get in. No, no, no. And I, you know, I had built my mythology of Godspeed about that, around that. You know, what, some of the first records, like vinyl I searched out, were Godspeed records. Okay. Some of the first CDs that I quested for that weren't hardcore CDs, you know, because a lot of stuff I got into after hardcore was easy to find. When I started listening to emo, that was fucking everywhere. I didn't have to, like, quest for a Promise Ring CD. No. It was just at the store. But when someone played Godspeed for me and I was like, I want more of this, they're like, well, Good fucking luck, you know? I had to go find those. I had to quest. So it was a big part of my college life. And 2002 is when I graduated from college. So, you know, 
when I walked into a movie theater to see this fucking movie, and the whole opening sequence is not just a song I recognize, but a fucking Godspeed You Black Emperor song, I was like, what is fucking happening right now? They went out to the train yard in fucking Quebec or wherever they're from, Montreal, whatever yeah. the fuck, and talk to those fucking anarchists in their train, their abandoned train yard? Like, who signed the contract? And did they sign it in blood? Like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, now it's just so funny because I think Godspeed is generally accepted as pinky in the air shit that hipsters liked 10 years ago. I like that. I mean, that's really... That's what it is, yeah. yeah, That's what it is. Oh, if someone's like, I'm going to make a joke about you being a hipster in 2010, Godspeed is going in there somewhere. You know, somewhere about your 2010 hipsterness. Yeah. And I'm making fun of what you were like in 2010. Godspeed's going in there. But in 2002, when this movie came out, it was still hard. It was still like, they seemed like a... I mean, first of all, they had a bunch of bands that were all the same people, that were all weird. They were way ahead on this post-rock thing. Like, yeah. You know, this was before Explosions in the Sky. You know what I mean? Like, they were pioneers of a certain sound and a certain vibe. Like, they were very much, like, predicting the end of the world with every record and pointing to American imperialism and then pointing to some kind of hope that didn't feel... It was... Do they have religious ideals? You know what I mean? Like yeah, they yeah. Would, they would have all kinds of, like cosmic pronouncement so there was just a mythology to godspeed and to have that mythology suddenly injected into a fucking apocalyptic pseudo zombie movie was like whoa my worlds are colliding it was just (laughs) such a weird experience um and now it's probably not that big a deal if i put out a movie tomorrow and a godspeed song and people be like what year is it this is not relevant why is this in this movie but at the time it fucking exploded my brain that this song was in this movie or multiple songs were in this movie yeah it's a it's a mind fuck I actually first watched this movie on Halloween of 2003 with my dad. It scared me so bad I didn't go to sleep that night. Wow. Like I literally slept on the couch, quote unquote, slept on the couch at my parents' house, like downstairs. It fucking shook me so bad. And wow. the weird thing about this movie is it's like, despite the fact that it is, it's a very optimistic movie. Yeah, it, it, it definitely ends with hope. It ends with hope. And it says a lot about like, about people and the goodness of people. But even that, like even that, I like I was taking that in because just that opening scene. And this is kind of fucking dumb, but whatever. Um, that opening scene when the uh, the ALF basically their eco whatever front they break in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was right around the time when I was getting into like the more radical aspect of animal rights. This was right sure. around the time yeah. when I was when I was diving into veganism. This was right around the time when I started reading like tom rogan and, and 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 peter singer or tom rogan tom reagan and peter singer and and um stuff like that and then i saw this movie and i was like oh no direct action is a fucking bad idea just because like i mean now at this point like the I'm, now i'm like it's not their fault no it's and, it's, it, it's it's the fucking it's cambridge right, university's fault right. for Vegas. but it, it's it, i don't know like that that opening scene is so compelling when um, they confront that scientist and he's like, you cannot let these things out. And they're like, why not? And that dude is clearly not just scared for his own life, but he's like mortally terrified. Like, you do not understand. This isn't about me. This is like, it's a very bad idea to let those things out. And there's just something right there that that strikes, that 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 the way that guy is acting, that, sh- that just strikes a tone for how fucking off the rails this movie gets, that it honestly for years like i mean yeah is ultra milton's play earth crisis an amazing song absolutely 
does the war have two sides? It does. But I'm still afraid that one day we're going to do the wrong thing and fucking release this horrifying rage virus upon the world. Sure. But I, 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 I don't know. This was just the, this this was just a movie that you know I I I'd put in the I I'd, I'd put this this poll out on Twitter on on Instagram. Um, even though there are these like horrific moments in this film, you know when um, there's from from when Jim first sees the infected in the church, and there's that priest, and it's like the 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 the, the church full of dead bodies, and there's all these horrific moments. Like we find out that if you get bit, you have like. 20 seconds and then you're fucking gone um what sticks with, with me the, the most in this movie are the there's two scenes that 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 always like really really get to me it, it's when jim finds his parents dead sure and the suicide note is um i forget the exact wording but it's this very like flowery prose and it's p.s don't wake up and i don't know what it is about that about parents wishing their comatose son would just die right that just cuts right it that is just yeah that's the world is too bad we there's no one just don't wake up yeah yeah that's horrifying and then you know just brendan gleason's death in this movie is just top five fucking movie moments of yeah just the way i remember when i first saw that and i knew what was happening and he knows what's happening he gets the blood drop in his eye and he's like you could see it where he's just like okay shit he's like hey uh hannah um i want to know I want you to know that I love you very much. He just says, it's just a simple, amazing moment. And then she's like, dad, keep away from me. And then you can see it like starting to overtake him. And the movie, that 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 is the moment when the movie goes from like run-of-the-mill horror film to truly dark existential territory. Because that's when we get into like the, your classic Romero, like, uh, yeah, 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 zombies are bad. And these things that used to be like us, they're bad. But you know what's worse? people who are still rational and completely yeah. in control like they're yeah. they're what's gonna fuck us really and i i think that um eccleston in this movie unlike him in fucking thor to a dark world <laughs> um is a truly evil cynical motherfucker like right. all-time great fucking horrible people because all this dude sees in this is he dresses it up as like i need to do terrible things to keep the morale of my men up I need to do, I need to essentially create a rape farm for my men. But as the character is dissected and unfolded and unboxed, you see in him something that is so much more evil than the infected. And that is a man that has clearly spent his entire life waiting for something like this to happen. Yeah. Because he's, when he's talking to Jim and he's like, he, cause at first he's like, we got hot water, we got this, we got that. Yeah, come on, we're going to, we're going to build things. And then when he says to Jim, he's like, do you know what I see when I look out there? I see people killing people. And four weeks ago, I saw people killing people. And four, and he just goes back. And that's when you realize, like, fuck. Yeah. We are in the presence of a powerful and like completely nihilistic, cynical man. Yeah. It's the most dangerous combination in the world. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know, like that. That's 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 why, like, the end of that movie is 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 just it's this uh, cavalcade of just horror. You know, you know, people. They, they, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about. Um, it's it's basically about like Jim is like a weak man who's forced to sort of become a monster to defeat these monsters, uh, and I think that's like partially true. But I think I, I I still think like the standout scene for that movie is his uh, is just Eccleston just taking the mask off and him revealing like how he actually is that that is he's just such a a horrifying character in in 
in a, in a movie filled with fucking rabid uh, Londoners who are the worst kinds of people. We know that. I think there is a. Um, it's not just in Jim, but it's in all three of our sort of heroes who are in that that part of the movie. Yeah, that they're all capable of more. The sort of assumption here is that they are the weak to be called by these soldiers yeah. who who are the strong. And only the one soldier they kill is the only one who's like acknowledging their humanity in some way. Like we can't do this. These are people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I think what what this movie gets at, which I think Romero tries to get at, is like once people become like cattle, zombies are in a Romero film are like herds of animals that are trying to bite you and eat you. Yeah, and so when you stop associating them with you, it becomes hard to care about other people as well because every person is a potential. And I think this movie nails that even more because at least with zombies, you have to die. Yeah. Someone you love has to die before they're dangerous. In this film, they're just a sick. splatter of blood mm-hmm. and it's all fucking... They could be actually fine and then something gets in their mouth or in their eye, let alone a bite, and then bam, they're on you. And it's there's just something about zombies too that they eat you that is like crazy in a certain way and um and compelling as well. But in this movie it's really clear uh they just want to kill you and biting is just one of the techniques. Yeah, that's the that that that's like the scariest thing about this is you can go online and find I think it's like 28 days later wiki whatever where yeah, they do yeah, like yeah. a physiological like here's what the rage virus does to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you read it from like a medical perspective and all this shit sounds real. Like this isn't like in like when you read like the zombie survival guide where they're like and then it does that you're like that can't happen. This is like all it does is it fucking it infect it just pushes your adrenal glands through the roof so you're you're just pumped full of adrenaline and you just get really angry and like irritable. That's all it that's that's literally all it is. And again, there is something that is truly terrifying about like th- that's like <laughs> I don't know that that the, to me all that says is like you know in, every day there's these like when someone cuts you off in traffic or someone cuts in front of you in line at the grocery store you have that spike of anger but you adhere to the social contract so you can't just go out and fucking murder someone. All this movie is is like what would happen if we took away all inhibitions, and that's it. Um, and that that's what makes this, I think, so much scarier than um, than, a, than a Romero film is because, you know, they talk about like, oh, in the Romero films, like they're dead. There's nothing left of the person, you know, in there. they're just dead. And in this one, technically, yeah, you know, there's nothing left. But it's like, no, this is just your loved one. But they're sick. That's all this is. I don't know. I still think Dawn of the Dead is scarier, but that's just me. Because Tom Savini calls Ken for a chocolate man. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I. Uh, uh, so, like, when I first saw this movie, I definitely had the same kind of feeling of like, this is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. I don't think it kept me up, but just the adrenaline of it, you know? Yeah. Which is actually why I was initially excited for that Dawn of the Dead remake which i think you like and i'm i'm not as stoked on yeah I, I but they it. they released at first remember that first intro fucking the, nightmare the fuel. fucking tension of that intro made me be like okay all right this is gonna be great and then i, I was disappointed by it but whatever um but there's just something about the adrenaline 
in this movie that like when he wants to make it tense, he makes it really tense. You know, I think a lot of the thing that works well for this movie is the way this film is shot. Um, I don't know the cinematic technique. I think it's like a shutter speed thing that they, they do Mm. when they show the infected. A lot of the time there's something about the way they move. It's not quite Jacob's ladder head shake, but there's something about it where oh, you think he like sped up the frame I rate think for them? I, something like that. Like not by I don't much. I know if that's true. Not by but, but but not by much. I I think he did it just or maybe he like he, there's some something where these the way these things move is so frenetic and terrifying and like just inhuman enough to get under your skin. Um, and then like the the look of the movie is like especially at the end when, um. Jim is out when they take Jim and the other yeah. the, the, the the one moral soldier yeah, yeah. and it's raining and Jim is basically like picking off the other soldiers and it, you can see every little raindrop there's just something about that and then you see like stumbling through the woods these infected that are just like shambling and emaciated and naked and there's something about that that is in such crisp detail with all these raindrops that it it just it it looks the way a nightmare would look if I was having a nightmare about it sure uh I don't know. There's so much about this movie that it just it could have been very bad, but so much came together for just this. I mean, there. Okay, there are things on rewatch that I don't love. Talk to me. When he first meets his basically his guides in this world, you know. Yeah. Um, they are covered up the way that any rational human would be. Yeah. As the movie continues. People keep not doing that. And I'm like, I get why. You have star power and you're trying to like keep yeah. your stars on screen. But the idea that I would ever go out anywhere in the fucking world without goggles and a hand. I don't want to go outside right now without my fucking face mask. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to go out and I'm going to chop up actual infected people and I'm not going to have full covering on my gooey bits on my face. No, fuck that. Like, I, I get it. But again, but it's clearly not an idea that hasn't occurred to them. When he first meets them, they literally look like fucking Fortnite characters. Like, they're just totally covered up. Everything I was going to say they look like what's-his-face from hardware. Yeah, like, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And then after a little bit, they're like, eh, whatever. You know, people just forget to wear it. And I'm like, nah, dog. Even going in the supermarket for that fun scene, I I would be covered up. And then once we got in, I'm like, we're good. There's no one. Okay. Then I'll take yeah. it off. Um too many parts i mean granted then we don't get that awesome i mean depressing but awesome death because then you don't get the blood in the eye but but then part of me is like okay so maybe he's taking it off when he should you know there's ways you can get him to that point it's just weird to me that like after we see them in this state no one else is like that the rest of the movie except for when the soldiers show up they have the full chem yeah, yeah, on. they got the full hazmat. Yeah, yeah, on. yeah, but that's it. And then they never put any of that shit back on. And I'm like, Literally, even okay, even the scene when the fucking when the infected storm the compound and they're just the landmines are going off, and they're like, you know, right away, twelve o'clock, and they're just gunning them down. And the one the one infected hits a landmine and then showers them with like blood. Yeah, I've watched this movie dozens of times and it never clicked on me. I was like, all those guys are now infected. Yeah, like I, I get the idea that they might not be, yeah. but at least one of them would be. There's exactly. no way. So I just think like the he, it starts to get a little loose with the rules of yeah. the infected at that point. And 
I'm not saying that makes it a bad movie. It was just one of the things. So the, the, these were the only things I found at a loss was, A, I don't think the digital video works all the time. I think you're right that for certain scenes, it's fucking upsetting. It's like, it's, it's really, really good. It's really upsetting. But then there's a couple parts where it's so dark that I'm like, is something ha- if it wasn't for the growls, I wouldn't even know stuff was happening. Yo, right that now. tunnel scene, if you could see everything, would be bladder emptying. Sure, but I'm just, I, I think that's different though. I think it works for the tunnel, but I'm not sure that it works everywhere. Plus, um, when they go to Manchester and they show the fake Manchester on fire, yeah, it looks, yeah. just leave that off. Just cut that whole scene. We don't need to know Manchester's on fire. Yeah. It just, it just looks bad. Yeah. Even for 2002, it looks bad. But again, I mean, I think that's part of the point is that yeah. it's a low budget, whatever. But, um, and then, um, well, I guess also, uh, I mean, it's a relatively short film, you yeah. know, and it has a certain energy to it. I think we could have spent. I, I get it that there's no water and they have to leave for the water. I just feel they leave for the water kind of quickly. Like I, it would make more sense for them to like be together in that apartment for a little bit. Yeah, and then after some time, be like, all right, we gotta go. We, I, there's this broadcast. We're desperate. Let's go do it. Because I just don't imagine that all four of them would be like, I don't know. They say it's fine. I guess we'll just go up there. Like someone would be like. I don't fucking trust that. What is that? Yeah. I'm not going to do that. And then eventually, don't get me wrong, I think eventually they would. Well, there's no water. Like, even if we don't want to go there, we have to go somewhere. We don't have fucking water. Yeah. That's that's easy. But I, I just think the, the movie is more invested in moving us forward, which is a great experience. But again, it's only because I'm re-watching it. And this is, I think, only the third time I've watched it. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. So re-watching it, I just think, this part should be long, considering it's a short film. If this was like a two-hour movie, I'd be like, cool. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want it any longer. But cut the Manchester bit, which is a total waste of our time. It doesn't even mean anything for me. I guess in England, people would be like, oh, man, Manchester's on fire. But like for your, at least for, for me as an American viewer, I'm going, it doesn't look like anything. And it has no impact for me. They I was c- like, oh, no, Morris, he's dead. Oh, no. They could have been like Leeds is on fire. They could have been like fucking, you know. Sussex is on fire. Yeah, who fucking cares? <laughs> I'll give a fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I know what you mean. It's just whatever. Um, but that's it. I mean, that, maybe those are uh, detractors that people will annoy listeners. And if they are, I'm sorry. You can yell at me on social media. But considering those are the only things from a horror movie from 2002 that was made for not a lot of money. $8 million. You know? Yeah. I mean, even in 2002, $8 million is not a lot of no. money to make a movie that then I think went on to make but million dollars 82.7 million dollars that's a good that's a good turnover especially again for a movie that was a risk you know who knew not only that, that but you look at what they did with the 8 million dollars they shut down london well, well they made the they had the appearance of shutting down yeah. london they they well okay let me further rephrase it they were a gigantic pain in the ass to the london police department for right, right. too long some would say right um, and they only did that, like, it, it's, it, I don't want to, I, I, I'll, I'll fuck it up how they did it. Um, you can just Google how they, how they, they got the illusion of an abandoned downtown London. And it is, it's brilliant. It's genius. But again, it was definitely a pain in the ass for downtown London. Sure, sure. What else did I want to talk about? Oh, yeah, another thing with, when it, when it comes to, um, you know, the breaking of the heart is this movie does a really, really good job of in getting you invested in these characters right the you know there's the supermarket scene that really humanizes all of them yep 
you know, I, I still think I love that scene where Dominic Gleason like wakes up early and he sees the horses running and his daughter says, are they infected? He goes, no, they're just wild. And he blows yeah. him a kiss. Yeah. And then minutes later he gets fucking shot. Um, that's another scene, by the way, that that's my thing is like, they're sleeping outside. What the fuck are you doing sleeping? outside? Like, and then because when they get there, that's not far from when, when they meet up with the soldiers and the soldiers all tell them like the woods around here are just, if teeming with these things because the fires in Manchester drove them in there. So if you go past those walls, like you're going to die, they'll kill you. So I just, I, I'm, I, they say that and I'm like, yeah, how were they, they had a fucking fire going on. Like how did one of these things not see that fire and then start howling like a dickhead and run after them? But no, I, I, I just love how they get us invested in these characters and then they just, just rip it apart. Um, and then the soundtrack at the end, that John Murphy song. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is, I hear that and I hear those first couple notes now and I'm like, oh, well, great. I have to kill a bunch of British soldiers in a mansion <laughs> and, you know, and like, and then evade the infected. That's just what has to happen. Um, no, but it, this, this is just, uh, you know, it, touching back what we said earlier, the, the, the thing that I, that makes me love this movie the most is, is how this is a film about hope. You know, it starts sure. out very dark, but this, this is a movie about how um, things aren't as bad as they look and we can make it through this um and well and i think it's also about an expanded worldview like part of the reason the soldiers are acting this way or anyone is acting the ways that they're acting they're all convinced the world has ended yeah yeah they're like this is it we're done yeah yeah and the end of this movie suggests no oh, dog he's just, first of all england is not the world yeah second of all uh yeah these things suck they're not going to feed themselves. They're eventually all going to go away. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's like, it, I remember watching this with my dad, and he even said, he was like, they didn't they didn't get to Paris. And I was like, how do you know? He's like, you really think one of those things could just get on a plane? And people look, yes, yeah, right here, sir. And then, it, like, this virus, you you become a crazy person within 30 right. seconds. You're not getting, you're you're getting shot on sight the second you set foot in, 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 in a... I mean, you could make an argument that England is one of the few places this could happen, and it would be manageable. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. If this was set in Berlin, you'd be like, well, Europe's fucked then. I guess we're just <laughs> done with Europe. Because I'm just saying that there's yeah, no... Yeah. You, you could just keep going and go. The open borders it. would doom us. Well, <laughs> it, it, only only in this case, I yeah, would say. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, with England, like, again, you could make the argument, like, well, maybe somebody... Like, there's a chance, but logically speaking you could say no they managed to not let anyone get on a boat i want to talk about a few more things and then we can wrap it up and move on the 28 weeks later yeah. do you ever read the comic books i have not read the oh comic man books. are they good yes. I've, I've thought about checking them out but I um the way they explain how this happened like the lead up to this is is very good um uh very the road to hell is paved with good intentions sure um and then uh, one of my favorite themes about this movie and one of the reasons that I picked it was because there's a line in this movie when Selena, the, the female lead, is, is telling Jim, at first it was just riots in market towns, small towns. There was just these riots. And then it was right outside your door coming through your window. And I think that is an excellent metaphor for a lot of the major social problems that have affected uh, Western society in the last 20 years or so. Sure. Is that we have this idea that, um, I mean, this is post 9-11. As a matter of fact, the scene where they do the shots with the, the, the creme de la menthe was shot on September 11th, 2001. 
Wow. Yeah. So, um, this is a post 9-11 movie, but uh, this is an excellent metaphor for about how the Western world likes to pretend that these things doesn't, they don't affect us until they're literally, you know, crashing through our bedroom window and, you know, we have to fucking beat them to death. And by that point it's, it, it it's too, uh, it's too much. And, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of where we, how we got to where we are right now with COVID-19. Right. Is that our fucking idiot child of a president was insistent that this was a hoax yeah this was going to go away it didn't matter we had an, and it didn't really have anything under, under control and people didn't really start to think about it until there was what two three hundred people dead and how many people infected and now we all have to wear a mask when we go to the grocery store and everything is canceled i mean it just again this is not a politics podcast but just as a brief aside if we had just gotten on making tests yeah if like right when it was like okay this is happening, even though there's there's things we could have done that would have been better all around right like social distancing earlier on all that stuff, but we wouldn't have to be as strict as we are now if we had mass produced tests, and then right now we'd be out there fucking testing people yeah and anyone who wanted to be tested could get tested. I'm not saying we do the South Korea like we're testing everyone fuck you, we would we could make it voluntary and that's fine. But even if you could right now go and know, like, yo, uh, I've been tested, I don't have it, then you would feel a lot better about interacting with other humans, and especially other humans. I could kiss a could, girl on the lips. Who if I could didn't have also it. get tested? Like the 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 idea, and I, what's the crazy part to me is some of the people who are against social distancing for some valid, some invalid reasons. You know, there are some people who are like, we have to be careful how much we're willing to let the government control our lives. Absolutely, I get you, one hundred percent. Uh, and there are some people who are just against it because they're just against anything that liberals like. And they have no logical reason. They're just like, this is bad. And I'm like, why? Why? Why is it bad? Yeah. Um, regardless, sometimes those people bring up, you know, a much better way to do this would be testing. And it's like, yeah. No, that's actually true, though. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be distancing. We didn't test. And now there's probably a fuck ton of people who have it who have no idea. Yeah. Because that's the whole thing. Not everyone has it get sick. And so, like, bringing up testing now doesn't help your argument it's just a reminder that our president is a fucking idiot yeah and that literally again you just mass produce the tests you figure out how to do it you figure out a system for dealing with it and then yeah like i guess you could argue like well if it hadn't come here then that would have been a waste of money oh no oh no we we certainly never waste money before yeah 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 certainly the the military doesn't buy things it doesn't need because it has a contract and it just wants to fulfill its obligations yeah have a state make money oh wait that happens all the fucking time so let's for once waste money on something that actually would help people you know yeah anyways i don't want to get on a rant about COVID on the podcast but i think it it makes sense only because when in this movie they're like no no one knew what to do no one did the right thing this is where we're at now this is how it went. No part, no, no one who is rational watching that goes. Well, that's not very believable. That's not very realistic. <laughs> we would do it. We would know what to do. No, no, no. I would say if they weren't on an island, the part where people are still alive, that would be the unbelievable part. Yeah. It's only because they're on an island and because these people get sick so fast that you're like, well, no one would carry it on the boat. There couldn't be a secret carrier no. on the boat because they would just murder everyone on the boat. You know right away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I do love that they're like the the British government. Like a week after the shit, it was like, "All right, everyone out of the fucking pool. <laughs> We're all leaving. Get the fuck out!" Like yeah. that's our that's our solution. Yeah. All right. 
All right. So I think that's all we got to say about that. Yeah. Other than if for some weird reason you listen to this and you've never seen this movie, you need to fucking see it. It's, it's so a, fucking good. I don't see people bring it up as much as they should as a classic. And it's a cl- it's a classic. It at is. Point. At this point, 20 years. I mean, when this movie came out, Poltergeist was a classic. Right. Steven Spielberg's masterpiece, Poltergeist, was a classic at this point. So, yeah, this is this is this is 20 years old. Um you know, I don't want to talk about fast zombies or whatever because we all know that Nightmare City did it first, but this movie did it better. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, what the fuck are you waiting for? It's so good. It's so terrifying. It's it's a beautiful movie. It's so moving, and it's just great. And I can't say enough good things about it. Take a break. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the sequel. <sighs> uh, 28 weeks later, because... Weeks are more than days, so that means it's better, right? We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Welcome to London. We're heading into District 1, although District 1 is completely safe. Outside the security zone, London remains a wasteland. There are a large number of bodies still left to be cleared from the original outbreak of infection. Gentlemen, family starting again. Did you like it? It's amazing. Are you going to tell us what happened to Mum? The last infected human died six months ago. We weren't here six months ago. Have you come into direct contact with the infected? Execute Code Red. It's probably nothing. We've lost control. Kill everyone. In my shadow, that's it. back to talk about 2007's 28 weeks later 2007 five years <laughs> i don't know i don't know why that tickled me like that <laughs> well, it's, it took like, five years to make a sequel to this fucking movie i'm actually surprised it took that long. yeah i, I mean don't wrong but things probably do take about that long but in my brain i just imagine people being like look at all the money this make. we gotta make another one right yeah make another one so written by rowan jeff joff and Juan Carlos Fresnadillo, directed by Fresnadillo, starring Jeremy Renner, Rose Byrne, Robert Carlyle, Imogen Poots, and what's his what's his face? Oh my God, Idris Elba, Idris Idris Elba. Uh, as the title indicates, it takes place twenty weeks, twenty eight weeks after the initial um, outbreak. 
So it's basically six months after the rage virus is inflicted on the population of Great Britain, the U.S. Army helps to secure, colonize a small area of London for the survivors to repopulate and start again. But not everything goes to plan. Now, I'm going to say some good things about this movie before I get into what I don't like about this movie. Sure. Number one, if this entire movie, and I've said this to numerous, I've talked to a few people on, on Instagram about this, talked to a few people on Twitter about this, I've yelled this at the fucking birds in the in my backyard. Sure. If this movie, the whole movie, was as good as the intro, we would be looking sure. at an Aliens level sequel. Sure. Interestingly enough, Danny Boyle directed that. He was uh, second unit director for that. It wouldn't be an Aliens level sequel. You know why? Why? Because if it was all like the intro, then it would just be a sequel trying to be the first movie. And what Aliens does Very good. is not try to be like the first movie. Very it good. fucking goes out of its way to not be like the first movie. Very good. I stand corrected. This movie was trying to be a fucking Alien-style sequel, and it was not. No. So did you see this when it came out? Yes. I saw this in theaters. Did you see it like the midnight it came out? No. What did you think of it when it came out? Okay. So I like the intro. I like the intro a lot. Sure. I think that intro is genuinely horrifying on numerous levels. One, that shot when Robert Carlyle is running away from the house, and it's like a soft focus on the hillside behind him, and you just see scores of these things running after him. That is chilling. And this is seconds after he left his wife to die. This illustrates that our... This sets up, basically, for when we first meet him, you think, oh, it's Robert Carlyle. He's like kind of a big... Big name? Sure. You think he's going to be the protagonist of this movie. Protagonist of this movie. And within minutes, we immediately see him make two decisions that are not heroic at all. Nope. He wants to leave a child to die outside. And he abandons his fucking wife. Although, to be fair, on rewatch, I thought, oh, man, this is really stressful, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the first time I watched it, I was like, what a fucking jack off. And now I'm like... Uh, I don't know. I bet most people would actually do what he did. I okay. think there's only a few of us who would be like, I'll, okay. you know what, fuck it, I'm going to save Let, let's, let's, this kid. Let's play devil's advocate. I don't mean that in like, well, I'm just saying. Um, I have said numerous times one of my biggest problems with people, especially when it comes to zombie-ass movies, that people always know what they would do. Everyone right. fucking knows what they would right. do. And what do we know? Mike Tyson's first rule. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I don't know what I would do in this situation. I don't. I don't know... I don't know how I would react if I saw my beloved, the mother of my children, being viciously attacked by these things. What I do know that is in a movie, that is not a, that is oh one hundred percent yeah. It's just on watching it this time and feeling the visceral fear of that scene more. Yes, I was like, oh, you know what? It is a little bit like what the fuck is he gonna do? Because it's not. I think it's different because in the first movie we're encountering people who've been fighting. Yes. And they have some like, oh, okay, yeah. We gotta, whereas in this movie, these are a bunch of assholes who've been in a house hoping things blow over. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that their general response is either to be a coward or die or What's both. he going to do? Is he fucking Wolverine? Is he going to like chop him up with his... You no. Know. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm not saying it, that makes him not cowardly or no, that we shouldn't he, feel bad about him. He but, his yeah. kids. Yeah, exactly. Um, he doesn't have the guts to admit what actually happened. Yeah. Which again, I don't know if I would either. I don't know. <sighs> So there's that. There's that opening intro, which is fucking batshit crazy. I don't mind this movie. I think I like it overall. But it's definitely a weaker movie than the first one. 
and it definitely oh we were talking about your first response what did you oh. thought when you first saw it the opening scene i was kind of like okay that's where we're going if it is going to keep up with this and then i i i kind of felt there was an, like an, an interesting how they're like repopulating you know great britain they're going off the logical idea that these things you know like eccleston says in the first one like what i see when i look at him is that he'll never raise crops he'll never bake bread he doesn't have much of a future and that's where this movie jumps in is like the u.s army goes okay we're just gonna wait a few months these things they clearly can't take care of themselves we're just gonna wait till they die then we're gonna go back in there and repopulate whatever it's a good idea i thought the idea of like an asymptomatic character was interesting kind of terrifying but i got to admit when i walked out when i walked out of the theater that night i felt that it undid some of what made the first movie so great yep um that's how i feel now yeah 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 for one the first movie is not really a zombie movie right this one feels like they're trying to make it a zombie movie right like the first one establishes like if you shoot one of these things they will die if you if you if you bonk one of them on the head they'll be knocked unconscious this one we see these things running around with these like grievous wounds like there's the scene when um Oh, what's this? He was the he was the guy from the Matrix. He's like the best Mercutio ever. He was in sure, 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 uh, sure, sure. Lerman's yeah, yeah, Romeo yeah, and Juliet. Yeah, yeah. And when he he does the thing with the helicopter where he just like chops them all up. They're all chopped up. Which again feels like a fucking Eli very Roth move. A, very much a yeah. zombie thing. We see one running around with like literally from the breastbone over, gone. And it's like that wouldn't happen they feel like fast zombies exactly yeah like that thing would bleed to death it couldn't breathe because because, again all these are sick people um and they also kind of like allude more heavily that these things like are cannibalistic which again i didn't wasn't nuts about when i saw it right i left the theater between the intro and then the when they're all locked in the big room scene which makes no sense to me yeah i'm saying yeah uh wait why were we were what what were you doing? Between those two, I thought this is pretty good. This is pretty good. Okay, this is scary. This shit's scary. Yeah, this is, this is, this might be scarier than the first one. Just in those scenes alone, it's pretty good. And then I haven't watched it since. Not even once. Not even thought to watch it. Since. Okay. I put it on for this podcast. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, I fucking hate this movie. I think this is a bad movie. Okay. And the reasons I feel that way are a. I actually think the asymptomatic thing is cheap. I think it's a cheap, it's just a cheap way. Like, okay, what are we going to do? We'll do this thing. And then they don't really capitalize on it because almost immediately dumbass comes in and kisses her. Like, I, I don't believe this dude would have a pass that got him into that room. That's the first thing. I also don't think that they wouldn't tell him, we found your wife. She is asymptomatic. That's why you can't see her. Well, the idea is that they figure out exactly what's wrong with her at the very moment he is going into the room to see oh, her. Oh, okay, touche, touche. But I still don't believe he'd have a key card. They got him all the way in that fucking room. Yeah, it's fucking when Robert they're, Carlyle. When, when, they're so, when they're so security intense, they're like, well, we got this one guy. Uh, I don't know. He's important. I guess we'll just give him a... No, no, fuck that. This he the, literally walked off. He walked into the camp. This is the U.S. military. Yeah. They're not giving some random Brit a card that gets him in the room with yeah. his sick wife. That's not going to happen. That's, you know what happened the last time we let a British person in the U.S. military? Benedict Arnold. Stop, you <laughs> motherfucker. Um, okay, so uh, so that's part of it. I think also, like, despite the visceral nature of that first opening scene, the rest of the movie loses that 
uh, sort of tight in up close thing. Yeah. Um, also, you know, right up front, the movie wants to be like, you know what this movie has? More famous people. Let's make sure you know all these famous people that are in the movie. And I'm like, well, that's the charm of the first movie is that there were really only two people in it that most Americans might know who they were. Like, I just think even I in, knew who Dominic Gleason was. That's it. I kind of knew. Uh, I felt like I knew. Maybe I didn't know Killian yeah. Murphy. But the point is, is, yeah, there's like not really there's no star power. That's not why you're watching the movie. This movie is like kind of a front like, yeah, all right. We got the Renner. We got the Idris Elba. We got, you know, what I mean, there's like recognizable people. It completely uh, it completely ignores the hopeful notes of the first movie. Exactly. It is a thematically. It's just like. Oh yeah, you know how that movie ended with well, fuck that shit, yeah. you know. And in order to do that, it has to make the infected superhuman. Yeah, the infected go from sick people who are eerie to random, basically unkillable zombies. I mean, they're killable, but they're just you know, mm, they're not. It's again, this isn't like, this isn't like the first one where you could beat them off. You know, as as and the thing is, like, considering that opening scene manages so much chaos and still being intelligible, whereas I would argue, you know, the part where Jeremy Renner is like losing his shit because he's being asked to shoot everyone, right? Yeah, it has none of the t- all the all that stuff loses all of the tension. There's almost no tension in those parts, and it it, it doesn't have any of the anxiety of the first film or even of the intro. To the rest of the movie, you know the thing. Then also, the kids escape so fucking easily. Yeah, I just it, thought that was it, stupid. It's it's just the th- the thing that I really like about the first movie is that things. It it's a <laughs> it's a movie about how you know the best laid plans of mice and men. Sure. By and large, the people in the first movie they make good decisions. Right. You know, like nothing. Like you could say that, like uh, when 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 Gleason uh, fucking bites it. He didn't make a bad. He made he um, he fucking kicked a cage because he was angry at a bird. I mean, I've done that before. <laughs> Let's not talk about you. yeah. My, my war against the birds. My war against the um. No, but in this movie, there's just so many like inexplicable. De- like I'm watching this stupid decisions. Like, the they don't whole, make any sense. Like the whole thing when they're like, it's a code red. It's a lockdown, and you're like, okay, and they're like, put everyone in one big room, and I'm like, why? That's literally would, the most would, irresponsible you would, thing. You would lock them in their apartments. In their rooms and yep. then put like armed guards because yep. there's one. There's one guy running around. Armed guards. Oh, there he is right there. Boom. He's dead. It just. Uh, well, that's the thing. They don't. They have security cameras, but they don't have enough cameras to figure out this one guy's running around. Yeah. And then they only lock one door. They didn't lock the door. Okay. The, the him coming in the back door only makes sense in the sense that they don't know where he's at a little bit and he has in some sense access quote unquote but it's just hard for me to believe they would padlock the one door and then not padlock the back door that just seems crazy it's just yeah there's so many yeah it it just nothing that they do makes sense because you can tell and this is a sign of a bad film is that you can tell that they had we have an idea for it gets infected because there's an asymptomatic carrier and then we have an idea for a code red but we don't know how to get between from there to there how do we do that? And then just they... And the idea... That, well, the other thing that bums me out is even the setup of her character. Like, they've been scouring these streets and she's been, what, out there finding food? Yeah. Living in this, it doesn't... Nothing really adds up in the movie. And I will actually make the claim right here that the not adding up would be fine if the movie then 
was fucking scary. Yeah. But it's not. It's both illogical. Uh, it's A, illogical. B, the kids are not interesting enough for us to care about them. And all of the, like, we're supposed to care about the kids. We're supposed to care about Jeremy Renner. And we're supposed to care about the the woman, you know? Um, there's not enough of any of them for us to give an actual fuck other than just a general be nice if kids, I don't want them to die. Yeah, I'd like kids not to die. Yeah, uh, and if it that's that's punctuated by the fact that when she gets it in the subway, other than the fact that they're in the subway, and I'm concerned for the kids, I don't care. No, I'm like, oh, she got smashed to death. I guess that sucks. Whatever. And I like Rose Byrne. And then, and here's the final thing that I think is the most important. Um, they fucking draws this. They fucking draw sequel this thing up. Oh my god. What the. The whole movie is built on the idea that there's nothing left to these people. And yet this man is hunting his children. And can teleport, from what I gathered? Yeah. he And multiple times he sees people and he makes a strategic decision not to attack, mm-hmm. to go around. Fuck you. Yeah. It's, again, it's, it's let's bend the rules for dramatic effect. And I think it's influenced by, uh, well, I don't know. What year did, uh, what year did uh, Land of the Dead come out? 2005 I think it's influenced by Land of the Dead I think it's influenced by the idea of like well, Romero is pushing the envelope so we can we can mess with it uh, here's the thing say, <laughs> you're not George Romero say what you will about Land of the Dead it actually logically makes sense that people could this could be a result now you might think it's a bad choice but he's developed a mythology over a number of movies where you could go okay this is the next step yeah and it thematically makes sense you just one movie in went yeah but one guy could hunt people <laughs> oh why can he hunt people i don't know he just does it's cool it's this scary a, what kind of fucking city of the living dead lucio fulci bullshit is this where this guy can be in two places at once and none of that it, it doesn't and then to to even have us with the scene where he decides to take these kids and then to end with a stinger of like and now europe is fucked it's just unnecessarily mean in a movie that's been unnecessarily mean the whole time like Again, I think part of the reason the hopeful ending of 28 Days Later is great is because most of the movie mo- doesn't really fucking take it easy on you. It's it, it's cruel, but it's not... It's not... <laughs> it's like, look, life is hard. This is a harsh story. We're going to show this to you, but bear with us because we have something cool to show you. And this movie just keeps being like, oh, fuck you. Like It just, it just doesn't give a fuck about its audience. It doesn't respect it enough to treat the story seriously. No. The whole thing feels like a cash-in, right? It feels like people who don't actually care about the material who are just fucking, let's just get this fucking thing made. We got the star power. We got the gore. We got a much bigger, quote-unquote, world to play in. You know, even the part where they firebomb London, it looks like shit. It doesn't just, make sense. The, yeah, because uh, let's, let's, let's not forget. They, okay, this is the U.S. military. Um... I'd like to think that the U.S. military, having had six months to like think about this, have had like a contingency plan in place that is much better than um, we're going to panic at the slightest sight of an infected person, put everyone in one big room, not lock it securely. Well, I, you can have a movie in which the point of the movie is that the military sucks and is stupid. No, that's aliens. But this isn't even believable. No, no, how no. stupid they because, are. Because because they they do this, and this is a this is a thing that I this is a thing that I can't stand. It's when they make the military stupid, but they make individual soldiers like yeah, but they're the real good guys. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is like that's 
I mean, that's kind of honestly how I feel personally, but they never make these people competent and they never, they always make like the, like, it's like, yeah, but you're not really criticizing the actual military. And even the introduction of the nerve gas, if we're supposed to think like, okay, we've released nerve gas in London to take care of these things. Yeah. But there's actually like a bedillion of them that got, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just want the effect of the big crowd of infected. They want that visual effect. Yeah. It doesn't logically make sense that we would have this many yet left to be dealing with. At this point, there weren't even that many people in London. I also, and again, this is, this is like, this is, I hate when people do this, but like how fucking quickly they went from, um, put everyone in that room to minutes later, shoot everybody i i just i i don't know i just can't find i find it hard to believe that um the world's greatest military there's one entrance where these things are coming from it's down a narrow street there's all these guys with fucking machine guns and somehow these things get past them there's only like a few hundred like and again these aren't zombies where you have to hit them in the head like these are people and the fact that they're just getting like overrun i just i i it just I don't know. It, it it was very... I think on paper, all of that I could buy. I just don't think this movie sells it. I don't think the movie sells the chaos well. I think it's shot poorly in those sections. I think the whole sniper view is meant for us to care about Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner's character, and it doesn't work. No. And it all just looks... And, and everyone's just running crisscross in this one tight little area. That wouldn't happen. Like, people would be able to disperse because what you haven't shown us is that it's shut down. Like, we don't have enough visual cues to actually understand the geography. Like, there's this is like when you see a slasher movie and a small house suddenly has a million rooms. Yeah. And you don't know where the guy's coming from. And you're like, how was he in the hallway? And he's like, that's like this on a citywide scale. We've been shown what this place looks like. But none of the events were then shown subsequently match what we've already been told this place looks yes. like. None of the geography works. And it's like, again, it feels like no one gave a fuck. Like, no one cared. They're just like, look, there's shooting, there's blood, there's, you know, death. That's all we need. We don't need it to, like, fit together and actually make sense. And, and especially this whole, e- even the conceit of the guy from Oz <laughs> is how I think of him. Uh uh, with the helicopter. Yeah. My man's just flying around all day. He doesn't got to refuel. No one's checking on him. Yeah. Hey, uh, what are you doing with that helicopter anyway? What's your plan for today? You're just going to fly around and then that's, go to the that's, stadium? That's like another thing is like, Jeremy, he makes it clear. He's like, I can't go back to the base with this kid. They'll shoot me down. But then he flies to, Fr- like, what do you think France is going to do? The idea that he could just slip through to France and no one notices. Yeah. Like this is, the, 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 like that. All the, just so you can have the. Not even that effective thing of the no. effective running towards the corny ass, pessimistic, deeply cynical movie that completely undoes everything that 20, 28 days later. This movie is so has such a shit view of humanity that it fucking bums me out. It really bums me out. Don't get me wrong. I like bummer movies. No, I do too. But not this o- just feels unearned. Not on the heels of a movie that was a bummer movie, but was also like, but look, there's still good in the world. Well, do you think, though, that was partly... Uh, my initial response is, it's like that because the people who made it don't care. And I, and, and I think that that might be true. Well, But my other response could be, this was fan service. Because 28 Days Later was a zombie movie that wasn't a zombie movie. 
And I wonder if the pivot towards negative was an acknowledgement that that's how most zombie movies have been, right? That the the zombie consuming, quote unquote, yeah. LOL, public was more interested in a darker ending and a darker turn, um, ignoring the fact that those zombie movies that earn that that thing, you know, they take their character seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so when Dawn of the Dead ends in a way where you're like, I mean, again, I don't know what you guys think is next. There's no next, really, you know what no. I mean? But it's earned that because you care about these people, and, and, and that's part of the dread of the film. Every time when fucking Roger kills Peter in Dawn of the Dead, yeah, I cry. Yeah. I watch this movie, I feel nothing when Jeremy Renner dies. No, it doesn't fucking matter. And they even do it in a stupid way. He gets lit up in the thing, like you're just kind of like, well, that's just dark, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You know, I don't like this. <laughs> I start out like, oh, this is not a bad movie. It could have been good. Well, okay, because the, the first, as we said now, ad nauseum, but I just want to nail it. That first intro is very good. Yes. It's very well done. And and while I think it's stupid that they're in that room, the fear of being trapped in a room as people are slowly getting turned, like, that works. Mm-hmm. That That's cool. There's just no real reason for them to be in that room. There's no real reason for one of the doors to be unlocked. There's no real reason that this one dude... I mean, again, I get the idea that the infected are scary and that they would move very quickly. But we're it's been an hour, it feels like. you know. It's It feels like it's been like an hour to maybe two hours. And he doesn't act... I mean, let's just name it. However you feel about this dude and his other performances... He doesn't act like the infected. At no point a director could stop and go, actually, they're more like jerky. They're more like herky jerky. They don't stop and like consider their actions. Yeah. And that's what he does multiple times. That's that's that that's what made him made them that's what makes a zombie movie truly terrifying is um they're completely irrational. They're completely unreasonable. They established that in the first one. That's so then you have this one where this this one man is on a military base killing armed soldiers who've been, I'm assuming, trained to be like, yo, if you see this thing with, like, bloodshot eyes, just shoot on sight. Like, don't fucking, don't draw your gun and say, get down. You see that, you kill him. I, I just, I can't fucking buy it. Even that scene would have been better if it wasn't him. If it was him and a bunch of, and, and they break through a locked door because there's, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, a yeah. bunch of them. He's turned, the only way this works is not, like, Superman infected, is if he, within minutes, has a whole fucking crew yeah and he gets that from that room but when he shows up it's just him and that's like a bad decision for that scene even though the scene itself is like okay that's freaky you know trying it's to terrifying yeah whatever um yeah i just you know i went in i i literally remembered leaving the movie and thinking that's pretty good it's some good stuff whatever yeah. like being soaked it was midnight i went to the midnight screen i was like excited about this thing and now i'm like oh no that's a bad movie I think I dislike this movie um, tone-wise and commentary about human nature-wise for the same reason that I really, really, really don't like Garth Ennis' Crossed is that it's 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 too... It's just too pessimistic. It just... It, it, it doesn't... It, it, it's, it's, it's too nihilistic and it's just yeah. like, who gives a fuck? That's how people are. I don't like that. I You know, it, 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 it just... It's a stupid movie because it relies on people making stupid decisions and continuing to act stupid. I mean, again, I, I, I 100% believe people make stupid decisions, but you really got to give us the context for things. And 
in this movie as well as in probably other things but in this movie it felt cheap it felt like it didn't feel like we've created characters that you understand why they're making the decisions they're making even if those are bad decisions it more felt like who cares yeah it doesn't matter we'll just do whatever and i just don't think that works and uh, you know i'm the last person to be here like we need to show more respect for the legacy of the u.s military like no nah, man i don't care about that <laughs> but the the idea that they would go into a situation with what amounts to really no plan no they really don't know what the fuck to do and i'm like uh, i would what, what would have been better is they execute the plan and through some thing you've thought through because you're clever, you show us where the plan doesn't work. Yeah, the initi- plan makes sense. They initiate the plan, but then there's something they didn't think of. and that's, Whereas this is just like, well, they're trying to do something, but they just freak out and it doesn't work out. Initially, the, in, the, the, the infection was supposed to restart when during a cleanup operation at the London Aquarium, they found like a waterlogged oh. corpse. Of, of one of the infected oh. and that's that's where it i don't know why they didn't go with that i actually think that would i mean i get the idea of like i said it feels kind of stupid i actually think the like the non-symptomatic thing could be cool yeah they just don't build on it's just an excuse it doesn't feel like an idea other than like that's why these soldiers are protecting this kid because he could be the cure at some point. And so it's a way to justify the continuing action of the movie. They could also just kill him and have it, there be no more infected. Yeah, it doesn't. Like we should kill Gizmo. You know, I, I, I'm saying, I just think that um, it, ha- it the movie has a cool premise on paper that it doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree to that. They're supposed to be making a 28 months later with Alex Garland and Danny Boyle, like as recent as, um, God damn it, as recent as June of 2019, they were talking about it. I don't think that's a good idea. You don't think it's a good idea? No. Why not? I don't need another one of these movies. Mm. I think we're tired. I think the entire culture is tired of zombies. It doesn't matter. That's the aesthetic of the film. So you mean to tell me you're not excited about um, Peninsula, the new Train to Busan, Jalan? So, okay, I will say that the reason I know we as a culture are tired of zombies is because Train to Busan wasn't the biggest horror movie ever made. Because that movie is one of the the best examples of a thing that's smart that is also a crowd pleaser to a yeah. certain extent. And yet, I really don't think it had an impact in culture outside of people who are already into horror movies. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense to me. No, that movie was amazing, and it made no rip. Like people, like there, there are people I know who will be like, "You got any like, you know, any recommendations for horror movies? You see Train to Busan? No, what that? What's that about?" And I'm like, "Man, you're I mean, in for a fucking treat." I would see similarly. Um, I would say similarly, One Cut of the Dead. Okay. Then other people who didn't see that movie because they're like, "Well, I don't need to see another zombie movie," and you have to explain it's not a zombie movie. It's actually a movie about making a movie. Yeah. They just happen to be making a, a zombie movie, and that's part of the fun of it. Nah, I just don't think I need another zombie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just yeah, think yeah. There's a way in which I think people are tired of zombie movies. Yeah, and, I get it. And so the idea of Danny Boyle being like, yo, I'm coming back. Especially because, like, you know, am I excited about any new Danny Boyle movie? Mm, not really. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, Danny. I, it's not, you know. 
I, I would love for him to do another great movie, but I I can't remember. Shallow the one. Grave Two, Shallower Grave. <sighs> Anyways, I'm 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 done complaining about this movie. Yeah. I didn't I didn't like it. If you love it, that's great. I'm not trying to bum you out, but this did not work for me, and I and I was surprised. I think that's part of the reason I've been hammering it so hard. Is I really went in thinking, yes, here we go, number two, let's do it, and it was not great. Yeah. Uh, it's. I forgot to mention this earlier. I had watched Soul Station, the animated prequel to. Oh sure, yeah. yeah have yeah. you seen it? I have not watched it yet. It's good. It's on Shutter. It kind of ties in with our theme last week of South Korean horror films and zombie Johns for this week. Yeah. So I guess that's the episode. Um, thank you guys for listening. We yeah, really appreciate it. Um, if you want to hear more episodes, you can head to www.cinepunks.com where we have more episodes of Hard Business and episodes of shows like Cinepunks itself, Black Sun Dispatches, Wine and Cheese, yeah, Weird, Obscure, Possibly Unsafe. Yeah. Evil Eye. Evil Eye. Uh, Factoral Hacks. Factoral Hacks. I forgot about Factoral Hacks. Tomb of Ideas. Tomb of Ideas. Thank you. I think that's everything. Yeah. We got some... Oh, Cinema Smorgasbord. Cinema, I forgot the one that Cinema I bought. Cinema Smorgasbord. Um, you can read, I got my new, my, my new weekly article, this Justin, you can go check it out. Cause my name's Justin. I'm this, this don't explain it. Yeah, don't just, fucking fine, explain it. Fine. Leave it alone. Um, yeah. So go there, check it out. You can like us on Instagram and Twitter at the harbiz six, six, six biz spelled B I Z. Um, that'd be cool. If you're checking us out on iTunes, remember to rate, review, subscribe and download, download, download. Um, patreon.com backslash cinepunks if you want to become a patron of ours we would greatly appreciate it um, I have something cool coming for you guys soon so just keep that in mind um, so I guess that's this episode and until next time remember take care of each other because there's no one out there looking out for us except for each other peace see ya all right, Josh, we got to do this ad. We got to come up with something. What do we want people to know about Cinepunks? I don't know, man. I feel like they should know everything about Cinepunks. <sighs> All right. We're underachieving overachievers convinced that we know a thing or two about movies. Romance and adventure by the light of the silver screen. Is non judgmental movie criticism a thing? Not really, but we love you anyway. We love cinema, whether it's high art or low trash. Cinepunks, we're elitists, but only about real nerd shit. Liam and Josh, we have two microphones and the truth.